We're back in Hebrews. The great coffee maker, Hebrews. And uh, as you know, we've been in this series that we are calling Greater Than. And in this series through the book of Hebrews that we actually started back in uh, last fall, I believe it was, we're reminded that Jesus is greater than, well, just about everything. Just about anything or anyone, past, present, and future. And we're in chapter 10 this morning, so if you're in our Bibles or you have it available to you, great time to go ahead and look for that. We're in chapter 10. We'll finish the chapter today. Actually, we won't finish chapter today. Uh, verses 19 through 25 are the verses we'll focus on. Now, one of the things we're going to obviously talk about this morning is this idea of church and how important it is to be a church and to be together and, and why that's important. So hopefully we'll see that today. And I think it's safe to say, even if you look around this room today, that church attendance has kind of dipped and it, it has decreased over a period of time. And I personally, if, if you were to ask me, I love church. I love coming together every Sunday. I love to be around other Christians. It really does uplift me and encourage me. And there's a lot of people who miss church, and some people have good reasons. So I'm not going to sit here and try to make you feel guilty if you're not able to be here. We understand that. Some people have great, great reasons for not coming, and we understand that. But sometimes, and and on those times, it's unavoidable. Sometimes it's not just possible to get up and come here, and we understand that as well. But other times, let's not kid ourselves, and I've been guilty of this too, other times we don't really have too many good excuses. And in fact, we make excuses week after week at times. So our good, good friends at the Babylon Bee has helped us to give you more excuses if you need them. So there's, there's 12 there I'll provide to you. I threw in an extra one uh, just in case you run out of excuses. I want to help you to find some of those excuses. Number one, the worship leader keeps singing in keys that are way too high for normal people. How are you supposed to worship God And a key that's too high. You just like don't feel like you've been getting things out of the sermons and stuff. And that's obviously that's my fault and Pastor Pat's fault if you're not getting enough out of the sermons. Number three, the band keeps playing Oceans over and over every single week. It's a good song, by the way. (laughs) Number four. You need to find socks. And this one may not be as applicable in Tucson. You, may, you need to find socks for all of your kids before 9 o'clock. Really? That's too hard. That's impossible. Number five, there's a sermon series on sin. And you know what? I just don't need that kind of negativity in my life. Number six, you put greeters at the door. I'm an introvert. Don't make, don't make me feel uncomfortable. That's not Okay. Number seven, those stale cut-in-half bagels are too tempting. How are you going to make me break my seven-day keto streak? Number eight, and this one's a real one too, COVID. That's still a thing, right? COVID, COVID. I don't, I'm not going to go anywhere because of COVID. Number nine, you got in a big argument with your spouse this morning, and it's going to be really hard if I show up and fake smile to those darn greeters. Number 10, your church started offering those gluten-free communion options. We did that for a while. We apologize for that. Number 11, some weird visitor was sitting in your seat last week. I don't want to deal with that awkwardness again, okay? Number 12, you listen to some worship music this morning, in fact. And that pretty much counts as church, right? Because we are the church, aren't we? 
Number 13, I went to church last week. I mean, God is the same yesterday, day, and tomorrow, is he not? So obviously, I'm, I'm just joking and poking at you. The reality is many professing Christians, committed Christians, they no longer regularly attend church. And it's unfortunate. And they've lost the value of what church attendance really is for us and why we gather together. So hopefully this morning in our passage, we're going to see why the church and why the gathering of the saints is important and, why, and what really it's supposed to look like and how we're supposed to perform in that action. And then so uh, please follow along. I'm going to read 19 through 25 of Hebrews 10 this morning. Now, uh, uh, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new age, new and living way that he had opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that's our passage this morning. Here's our main idea that we're going to hopefully focus in on. And here it is now. Because of Jesus, we can confidently meet together in God's presence. So that's what we're doing as we gather. I'm going to ask you for a little bit of audience participation here. There are three exhortations in this passage. The three exhortations, and the, and the exhortations are like an urgent plea. It's, a, it's an emphatic urging. So I'm going to give you a hint, and it's going to be behind me on the, on the thing. That's your hint, lettuce. Okay, so I want you to say it out loud, and I want you to say it slowly. Let us. All right, so there's your big, big hint of what these three exhortations are. Okay, so what are those three exhortations? Let us draw near. What else? What's that? Hold fast. And the last one was consider how to stir up one another. Okay, so here it is, the three heads of lettuce. Draw near, hold fast, consider, and stir up one another. Okay, so those are the three exhortations that the, the author of Hebrews is talking to us. I almost said Paul again. The author of Hebrews here, what he's doing, he's helping us to develop this idea and understanding of, of, of kind of what we've, what we've seen so far and how that now applies to our daily life. So again, the writer here in these first few verses helps us to kind of summarize what we've seen. And we saw this last week, too, when we opened up this chapter. And, and I think one of, uh, one of the neat things is, one of the passages I was looking at this week, he, he, was, uh, he pointed out that really there's, there's two main Old Testament passages that, um, that the author of Hebrews spoke about leading up to this point. One of them was in Psalm 110.4, the other one, Jeremiah 31, uh, verses 31 to 34. That Psalm passage 110.4 focuses in on Jesus as the high priest. And then that uh, passage in, in Jeremiah, which we saw a few weeks ago, and then a few weeks prior to that, talks about that new covenant and how Jesus, and through his blood and through that sacrifice, he ushered in the new covenant and made the old, uh, old covenant obsolete. 
So in this section, what the author is doing here is he's helping us to understand the now what. What, what do we do now that we have this information? And while I want to spend the most of our time on the three heads of lettuce, and one pastor actually almost named his sermon that, which I thought that would be pretty funny, the three heads of lettuce, I'm going I'm to focus and uh, we're going to talk about that just a little bit more in, in just a few minutes, but I want to touch on the therefore that we see at the very beginning of our passage this morning. And what we can do with that therefore is we can kind of understand why we can be confident and why we can approach God in confidence. So that first word of confidence uh, and that word confidence really alludes to this idea of speaking boldly and to speak boldness. And that's what that word there means in that speaking of boldness in speech. So that is to say that now that we can approach God and we can boldly approach God in prayer. Right? We can boldly approach God in prayer. That's a little bit of what that's talking about. And think about that, that idea there, because again, under that old covenant system, which we've talked about for weeks, the high priest was the only one, and mind you, again, it was only once per year, had that access to go into the most holy place. So when, of course, Jesus died, we see in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one that the veil was torn, which again allowed us to have access and, and what the, the, the writer is doing here is he's helping us to see that Christ's death removed that veil, that, that separation that we once had with God. And then Jesus, as the high priest, is now sitting on the, way, on the right hand of God. And in a way, what he's doing here is he's inviting us into that most holy place. Because that blood has cleansed us and made us pure before a holy God. And then the second thing we see here is that Jesus' death is a new and living way. In verse 20, and this, uh, the Greek scholar Kenneth Wiest, he paraphrases it this way. He says that he, Jesus, inaugurated for us a road freshly slain and living. So when he's talking about a new way and a new and living way, he's talking about how the, the, the death of Christ, that final sacrifice, and, and which via the resurrection, it leads to eternal life. And then once again, it, it removes all barriers that were once there before an unho- our unholiness that removes that unholiness before a holy God. So once again, the, the writer here of Hebrews is, is he's reiterating what we've already learned, and then now we can take a look at, okay, now what is our response to being made clean? What is our response as a body of believers now that we're made clean? So we'll get back to the lettuce passages now. First thing we do is we draw near to God. We draw near to God. And if this sounds familiar, you have a remarkable memory because Pastor Pat talked about this last September. You all remember that, right? So last September we saw this, and it was a very, very similar exhortation that we saw way back in chapter 4 towards the end of that chapter. And what we did is we learned that the word draw near, it's a compound word that literally means to come facing forward. And we're exhorted to do that with confidence, as we saw a moment ago. And that phrase literally means all speech, again, as we've seen, which, again, thinking about that, how that ties us directly to being able to pray directly to God. And noteworthy, this exhortation, just like the next two, they're present tense verbs, which means these are things that we're doing now and that we are to keep doing. And then imagine, just, just as an example, imagine getting a new car. It's super nice, the paint's real shiny, the tires are still, you know, perfectly set, there's no blemishes, beautiful car, 
But because it's so pretty, you just park it in your garage, you cover it up, and every once in a while you go out there to take a look at it and say, my car's so pretty. And you don't do anything with it because you're afraid as soon as you hit the gas pedal, the, the value is going to diminish. You know, you might get in a wreck. You might scratch it. Something might happen to this beauty. So you just look at it in the garage every once in a while to admire its beauty. And that's kind of what we talked about with the kids a moment ago. We just look at our Bibles. That's such a pretty Bible. But what are we doing with that Bible? Are we reading it? Are we digging into it? Are we, are we understanding what's being talked about? Frankly, we should be enjoying that new car. We should be enjoying our lives as Christians. We should be enjoying the Word of God. And if we're followers of Jesus, we can't just simply sit back and enjoy the view which many of us do, but instead we need to be active participants. And we talk about this a lot here, don't we? And notice, too, what the, what the writer does. He, he draws us all the way back to verse 19, and, and he says about this confidence. And now that we have this confidence, and, and what we need to recognize is he's, he's talking to brothers and sisters here. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to you and I. And, and the way we know that, there's a couple ways here, but he's talking about those who have a true heart. He's talking about those who have a true heart, and what we'll see this week, and then next week as we dive into the next section of this chapter, what we'll see there is that there's really two responses to hearing and understanding the gospel message. And the first thing, of course, is as we see today, are these are the marks of a, of a committed and deliberate Christian. And the next week, what we'll see is those who have probably drifted away, and if, again, if that phrase sounds familiar, we saw that back in Hebrews 4, this idea of drifting away um, from our God. And, and, and we might be in danger of doing that if we fall into that second category that we've seen. Um, and that was actually back in Hebrews chapter 2. One of the things that we also see clearly, and we'll see clearly next week, the writer tonight or today is setting up one of these warning passages that we talked about back in Hebrews 2. So this is one of those warning passages. You'll see that more clearly next week. So speaking of to those with a true heart, he's also speaking to those who have full assurance. And that's in a very important concept for Christians. A full assurance is directly um, attached to this phrase in our text today of being sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, my, many, many teachers and many people take this to, to talk about baptism and its direct correlation with baptism. But if you really look at the entire context of Hebrews, he's, the writer is contrasting these, these ritualistic purification cleanings, and he's contrasting that with being fully cleaned in Christ alone. So they're, 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 And I believe that's really what's being talked about here, this internal purification and the external expression of that purification in which we see with these, these exhortations. So we can have full assurance of our faith because guess what? Jesus has declared it to be so. Our next exhortation was, is to hold fast the confession of our hope. Holding fast, again, is another concept we saw way back in Hebrews 4. And, and what we learn there is that this verb of hold fast means to, uh, to cling to something tenaciously with all one's strength. And, and that word confession is used in Hebrews in the sense that of our profession of, of our faith in Jesus, right? That idea of speaking and speech, right? And, and what we see is that, uh, and, and, and if you look closely at this verse 2 and 23, the, the troubling part about this and the one that probably causes a lot of people some trouble is this concept and this phrase, without wavering. 
without wavering. That's a very important phrase that we see here. And think about it. So the Hebrew church, church or churches that the writer is writing to here, their wavering and their moving away was really, this is so hard and I don't understand this. It was so much easier to follow the rituals and, and, and live under the old covenant. I'm going to go back there. So that's where their wavering came into place. And, and essentially they were thinking about this idea of I'm going to leave Christ and go back to Judaism. And that's, that's the wavering they're talking about. So obviously our wavering today is going to look a little bit different, isn't it? So this month, as you all know, is Pride Month. It's June. It's Pride Month. You see it everywhere you go. And, and, and we see this idea of pride, and of course it ties directly to the LGBTQ plus community. And, and here's something I wanted to point out, and I saw this last week. I was like, man, this is exactly what he's talking about without wavering. So there was five players from the Tampa Bay Rays, not Stingrays, Grace, don't worry. Five players from the Tampa Bay Rays, and, 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 those, and those players decided, you know what, on their quote-unquote pride night for their, for their home game, they decided I'm not going to wear the rainbow patch on my sleeve, and I'm not going to put the rainbow emblem on my, on my cap. I'm just going to wear my normal cap and my normal uniform. You can imagine the backlash they got from everybody, other players from other teams and organizations, from media outlets, etc. You can just imagine the backlash they got. So, of course, they got the, you know, one player from another team said that their reasoning, which was their faith, they were standing for their faith and what they believed to be moral and ethic. One, of, uh, one player said their reasoning was a joke. It was a joke. Another player said that their actions were sad and embarrassing. And then one article on this online publication just bashed Christianity as a whole and the quote-unquote excuse of Christian faith as not to support that community. And, and, and their article was titled, A Ray of Darkness. Very dramatic. So I, I, I use that example to illustrate how even churches today and Christian artists and Christian celebrities, they waver on topics like this that are controversial. And they are controversial. And I'm not talking about this just because of this is the most evil sin there is, but I, I think contextually in our month that we're seeing all around us, it's very relevant today. And, and there's a lot of things that churches waver on in respects to their faith or their professed faith in what the Bible teaches. And recently, even, even a church, a, a very significant um, denomination, the Methodist Church, they literally split in half because half their church was affirming, quote-unquote, and the other half was not. And they split an entire historical denomination right in half. And the reason churches waver on topics like this, or even female preachers, or, or whatever that, that might be, these controversial topics, is because they're afraid to offend people. That's the reason a lot of churches do this. They don't want to offend people, and it might affect their following, which might affect their budgets, which might affect anything else that they need to do. So the writer of Hebrews, and this is very important, the writer of Hebrews is saying that, look, if we are confessing Christ as Lord, if we're confessing Christ as Lord, then that means we have agreed to renounce the things of this world. We have agreed as followers of Jesus to renounce the things of this world. And that means we cannot waver from what the God of this universe provided to us in his word. And this must mean that we also have to kind of know and understand what we believe. 
that really goes along with that. In part, I think that's why Peter in 1 Peter 3.15 speaks these words, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. I think that's been part what Peter says there as well. And what we're able to do is we're able to hold fast, and this is one of the reasons we can hold fast to that confession, is because Jesus and God are faithful. He is faithful. One of my favorite prayers is to thank God for his faithfulness. That's one of my favorite prayers to pray because I know that if I rely on my faithfulness, it's never going to be enough. So my, my God is faithful, and I thank him for that daily. In fact, last night we would have done a night of worship. just didn't work out for a lot of people, and that's okay. But guess what our theme was for the night of worship that we had planned? Faithfulness of God. That would have been our theme yesterday if we had done that. The writer is reminding us that he is faithful, and because of that, we can hold fast to our faith, even when the world around us hates it. Final exhortation, consider how to stir up one another. In these final two verses of our passage, the word one another actually appears two times. So there's a lot of one another's in, in, in context. And in each of these exhortations, as we've seen, is us. It includes each and every one of us. So the writer here is focusing on the community aspect of our faith. And at first he does that by encouraging us to stir up one another to love and good works. This idea of stir up is a term that, could, you know, we can use that in a negative way or it can be used in a positive way. Obviously, the writer is using it in a positive manner. It really literally means to agitate or provoke something to do something. We're provoking somebody to do something. So the writer here is reminding the church that, number one, we need to be together and we need to be ministering to one another and encouraging one another to love and to do good works consistently and always. And it's no coincidence that every single week when either Pat or I are here, we talk about how to connect with each other. It's no coincidence that when you open up our website, you'll see the words, you're not just a face in the crowd, but you're part of the family. It's no coincidence, and there's no, it's not just because it's the churchy thing to do, but that's why we have refreshments, and we have a coffee area, that we have a lounge area. Many, many years ago, we opened up that wall as soon as you enter, so that way it was more open for people to gather and be together. That's why we do these things. So the writer of Hebrews is saying that some of these Hebrew followers neglected to meet together. And it's really unfortunate because that happens even today. And many people have not returned to church, and after they were, frankly, they were forced in some cases to do online worship only, and we understand that that was a difficult time for a lot but many people haven't returned since then. And the writer further states that we are to do this, encouraging one another, when? Until he returns. Until that day when he returns. So we have to do this consistently because we're still waiting for him to return. And a moment ago, we spoke about this idea of unwavering. And, and again, in a culture, and I want you to think about this, in the culture where, where things are, are full of hatred and evil and just disgusting habits and sin in the world, why would you want to be anywhere else? Why would you want to be anywhere else aside from the, the presence of God and the presence of his people? 
I know I don't want to be in the presence of evil. I always look forward to Sundays. I always look forward to Monday mornings. A lot of people are like, man, 6.30 in the morning on a Monday? Are you kidding me? I'm up anyway. It's no big deal. But I love meeting with the guys on Monday mornings. I love it. I love getting together with the men every single month as I hold fast to making that bacon right. <sighs> I look forward to those monthly meetings with the men because we get to sit and encourage each other and we get to sit and, and, and just enjoy each other's company around the Word of God. I love that. And no matter how, and, and one of the reasons why, and probably the main reason why I love that so much, because no matter how horrible my week has been, if I've had a stressful week, a bad week, a, you know, whatever might be going on, I'm always, almost always encouraged when I'm around my brothers and sisters. That's the truth. I'm almost always encouraged when I'm around my brothers and sisters. So I want you to think about that and how your presence can be impactful to somebody else, how your presence can be impactful to somebody else. Facebook is one of those gifts or curses, in my opinion. Facebook can be one of one or the other. I know there's some of you who like just denounce Facebook altogether. I don't blame you. It is one of my one of those things where it's like, eh. but here's one of my favorite features of that. My favorite features of Facebook are the memories. Right? When you get to look back at your memories and you get to see all the things that have happened that day since as long as you've been involved in Facebook. Last week, a memory came up of about seven years ago, just a little over seven years ago. And this was when Gabrielle, my youngest daughter, who was praising God earlier, I know you all heard her, when my youngest daughter had her surgery for her feeding tube. And, and, and as you can probably imagine, Gabrielle was only like a, almost a couple years old at that point. She didn't, doesn't communicate even to now. You can imagine the concern and worry and the nervousness and the anxiety that Natalie and I had during that time. It was really hard for us. And, and, and there were several of you who came to the hospital and waited with us before we went back with Gabrielle to do pre, pre-surgery. And there was some of you, and in many, you know, those same people stayed and waited. So we're back there in the prep area. They roll Gabrielle back. We come out, and who do we see? We see Pat and Mary. We see Carol. And we see a few others, and we're just like, ah. I, I kid you not, the, the calm, the comfort that we felt seeing those faces was perfect. That's what we needed. And then we get home later that night, and guess what was waiting for us? Dinner from Pam and Derek. You know, so that's what that's the community that we're talking about. That's the community that we're talking about where we can we can rely on one another and know that, you know what, and, and going out into that lobby not only reminded us that we were loved, but it also reminded us that we were God was was watching over us and making sure we felt good in that moment. And it also reminded us that hey, we're all part of the same family of God, and that's exactly what we're talking about today. This is what we should be focusing on as a body of believers, encouraging one another, loving one another, lifting one another up. Because I tell you what, it works, and it's so uplifting, and it's so comforting. So hopefully with these three exhortations, we've seen that because of Jesus, we can confidently meet together in God's presence. And I've shared this before, but there was a period in my life that I was kind of drifting away from God. And I'm sure we've all experienced that at some point. And I, I did profess my faith, but I, I wasn't reading my Bible very regularly, if, if at all. I wasn't praying. I wasn't reading. 
I was living for me, and 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 frankly, it showed. <laughs> it showed in the in the life that I was living. And just as any good Christian mother or father would be doing, they prayed for me over and over and over. And they had others praying for me too. And and that's I I, I really believe that that's one of those indicative things that occur when we're connected with one another. We know that hey, you know what. You know, so-and-so, I haven't seen you at church in 10 weeks. What's going on? Can I lift you up in prayer, brother? What's happening, right? And we can connect in that way to understand how we can minister to one another better. That's what that connection does. My parents saw that I was running on this path that wasn't good for me, so they lifted me up. And some of you know the rest of that story. When you see that we can intercede with to one another, we can stir up one another to have in, in love and good works when we're connected so I, I urge you, don't be disconnected from the church. Don't be disconnected from the body of believers and the body of Christ. Pastor Chuck Smith reminded me this week, not personally, of course, that every member of the body is valuable and useful. And the example he used is, like, just imagine my hand, right? I'm able to do all these things with my hand. Imagine my hand is disconnected from my body and it's just laying there. Number one, creepy. Number two, it's not doing anything it's just there but when i put it back and it's connected again i can use it and it's useful and valuable once again and i know that even as we close today i know what's going to happen there might be some of us who just walk right out that back door without even making eye contact with anybody and i know that some of you who are logged in online right now and you are physically able to be here some of you are not i understand that you're going to log off and you're going to log back in next week. I understand that. That's going to happen. But I'm going to make an urge and a request. Reconsider that. If you're here today, stick around for a few more minutes. Get to know somebody that maybe you just don't have an opportunity to speak to very often. Connect with somebody else. If you're online and you're able to be here next week, we would love to see you. We would love to see you. Connect with us online on Facebook. Instagram, faith life. Just connect with us so you can, again, be connected with one another and know how to stir up one another for good works. The triune God, way back in Genesis, said, it is not good for man to be alone. Remember that? It's not good for man to be alone. So let us meet together. Let us do church together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I, I just pray that um, that we do just reconsider how we live our lives. If we're isolated, if we're un, unable and unwilling or unwanting to, to connect with others, I just pray, God, that you just stir up something in, inside of us to allow us to want that more, to be in community with one another. This is a critical thing for Christians, and I know that the further away I got from a church body in my 20-plus years of professing to be a Christian, I know, God, that those were the worst times of my life. Those were the times of my life where I drifted so far away that I was disconnected from you, God. And in any relationship, God, we understand and we acknowledge that we need to be together, we need to communicate, we need to have fellowship. So I pray, God, that you help us to do that now, You help us to do that as we move forward today, that you just help us to understand that, hey, being together is so much better than being alone. Being together and being under your guidance and your Holy Spirit and and you 
stirring up within us, that is where we need to be. So help us to do that, Father. Help us to, to connect with one another for love and good works. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Again. Just. Yes.